Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Matt Pizza. And I'm Mac Daddy Shane. Welcome to episode 206, Hardcore Heaven 1996. It's hardcore. Hardcore. I was supposed to do an Italian accent. Where's the angels at? Angels? We're in heaven, aren't we? Oh. oh. I'm sure like, the... Did I miss a line there? I didn't see one. I I'm, thought. Sh- <laughs> I'm sure there's... It's ECW. There'll be some honeys, some gutter angels, if you will. Yeah. Possibly the nastiest, dirtiest... Skankiest <laughs> woman of all time. Yeah. What a badge of honor. <laughs> so, this was the third Hardcore Heaven produced by ECW. It would take place on June 22nd, 1996, from the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, with an attendance of 1,250 people. We've got, uh, and probably another, up in numbers. another like 30 or so outside the. Outside the doors. They're hanging from the rafters. That explains that narrow walkway between the uh, rail and the ring. Peeking in the windows. (laughs) Added some more seats. But we are back in Philadelphia. Yeah, we are. So, Shane, did you do what you do? Well. (laughs) It's an endorsement. Yes. We are back in Philly, so yes. I did what I do, and jumped on the old interwebs, and looked up stuff, trying to figure out what the hell to make for this show, because my, my Philly resources are ever depleted. I might have to start looking way in advance, and like ordering some shit off of Amazon or something like that, because get some, some more local snacks, some sodas made in Philly, or near Philly, or make it yourself. Philly cheesesteak kit from one of those <laughs> special places. We can't get, yeah, we can't be buying soft shell crab sandwiches in Oklahoma City. We, yeah. We might never wake up. I almost did that for uh, Baltimore. Uh. Went to one of those Chinese food places and. Or I guess that's a bit more of a Baltimore thing. I got Baltimore yeah. on the mind. But yeah, we're in Philly and we're watching an ECW show. And so I had to figure out what the hell can I make for this. So as I've done for the last handful of ECW shows, I let the show inspire what I was going to bring. And it just so happens that there was a segment or two that uh, came together perfectly in one glass. Two segments, one cup, something like that. (laughs) First we have, I don't know, Blue Meanie seems to be inspiring a lot of these beverages too. Uh, either Blue Mini he, or the Dudleys. A, he's a good inspiration. Yeah, he is. He's, he's my, my muse. We have the, what's known, at least on the internet, as the Blue Dust Bunny. It contains Blue Curacao, vodka. Uh, it called for peach juice. Um, but as I was telling the fellas, I did my shopping for the cocktail at the local 7-Eleven because, again... It was inspired by the show, and it seemed like I shouldn't go too fancy, high dollar on the ingredients if I'm going to make something that, you know, would bring all the the gutter sluts a-running. 
So I picked up a, uh, a can of sliced peaches and a can of peach nectarine flavored Red Bull. And yeah, you dry shake it in a, mi a mixing tin, which means using no ice and then pour it into a glass filled with ice. I topped it with a little extra Red Bull because there was still some left over. Can't let it go to waste. Yeah, and then discovered that we had some peach schnapps on the refrigerator still, so I added a little dribble float on top of it and then garnished it with one of those canned sliced peaches. Oh, yeah, I used some of the juice. I don't remember if I said that. Some of the juice from the canned peaches. You definitely taste it in there. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, very nice and sweet and refreshing and pretty. Uh, served up in these lovely Star Wars glasses, or Star Wars, Star Trek. <laughs> Dare you? Hey, I'm not a fan of did either. Did you get? Did you get? Fan of either one? Did you get uh, Nichelle Nichols? Who did I get? Uh, no, I got Bones. Damn it, Jim. Yeah, no, no, the Nichelle Nichols cup <laughs> is my favorite, but the they taste like a pixie stick mm -hmm. in a good way. But that's what I was like. I took a sip and I was like, tastes like a pixie stick. So it kind of works. That it works. The dust. The dust is real. It's liquid candy. It's dusty. It's got a kind of like a powdery. Powdery candy taste. Uh, yeah, very which is sweet funny. and citrusy and peachy and. It went down easy. Yeah. As, yeah, I, as is I evidenced by the glasses, mm -hmm. empty glasses in front of me, and then mine just has a little sip so far out of it. But you know, I like to make mine last. But pretty damn tasty. Thank you again, Blue Meanie. I'm going to have to start tagging you in all of these <laughs> Blue Meanie inspired drinks because <laughs> the Blue Meanie teeny was pretty damn tasty, and now the uh, Blue Dust Bunny is. What you do yeah. is you just go through every liquor and just add blue carousel. <laughs> Pretty much. A new cover name. I don't know. I'm not sure how whiskey and blue carousel mm -hmm. is going to taste. But the blue, the blue meanie weenie. You, uh, you <laughs> garnish it with barbecue sauce. <laughs> a, cock, a, a cocktail weenie or a uh, what are those called? The canned. Oh, the Vienna sausages. Vienna sausages. Yeah. My grandma used to feed those to her toy poodle. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm gay and all, but I don't know if I want to even consider thinking about a, a blue meanie weenie. I mean, you know, I don't know if any of us want to think about it. Yeah, I mean, the last guy you want to see naked from an ECW show. Pretty much. Well, yeah, maybe Sal Boamo. At least the blue meanie is uh, the blue meanie. Oh, shit. So, like, Sal Boamo is, like, ugh, probably last place. Blue what meanie, that's an endorsement. I just typed in the word blue meanie weenie, and this is what you get. Oh, it's just the blue meanie from the from the movie. Yeah, from what movie? From um, the Yellow Submarine. Ah, yeah. Okay. Because that's what he's named after. That's right. That makes sense. You didn't realize that that was where the name came from? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. But like, uh, not... yeah. Two and two together at the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, wait, there's a Blue Meanie movie? <laughs> <laughs> it's a Beatles movie, but he makes an appearance. Yeah. So something that would happen right around the same time as Hardcore Heaven, actually the very next day, Super Mario 64 would be released. Wahoo! Becoming the best-selling Nintendo 64 game of all time, with nearly 12 million copies sold. Damn. More than Goldeneye? Oh, yeah. I mean, this was... The I mean, Mario title always is the best-selling one. I mean, it also I think came with the console. Yeah, so. it was like a, yeah, it was like the launch game. I didn't think uh, about that. I remember the first time I saw a Nintendo 64, my mind was blown. Especially Wave Race because the water. It's like holy shit, the water looks real. <laughs> but 
I never had a 64. I had a PlayStation, but... Uh, I didn't do the 64 either. I do remember the butt... Same. The butt slam thing uh, blowing my mind. And 64 was great because we had a friend who had it. You know, it was the made-for-couch co-op for, you know... You can do four players mm-hmm. on a lot of games. Goldeneye, which I hated because I was, I didn't wasn't good at it, so it wasn't fun. I always just got killed. Yep. The wrestling games, of course, the THQ wrestling games, and then W versus Night uh, NWO Revenge. That was such a good game. It was great. And then um, what's the other? The Mario Kart. I mean, come on, even Mario Party. Mm-hmm. So I didn't do much on the sixty-four. I had friends that had them, so that was at the age where. You know, 18, 19 year olds at the time playing video games wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. Know, was like. Socially baby. acceptable. Yeah. Like, you're too old now. You should be getting a job. You need to enlist in the military or, you know, do something real. And now it's job training for a lot of corporations to sit at home and just play a video game. Never would have ever thought that playing video games on the internet could be a fucking lifestyle. But <laughs> call, yeah, call me old, call me lame, but I still don't get it. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't do much on the 64. My sister bought one, and we had one on display at Blockbuster when I worked there. But I didn't like the controller. Yeah, I, I'm it did old have school. a weird controller. I'm an old school Nintendo, Super Nintendo controller, even you know Sega Genesis. It was, because that was the bulky one, right? It's the one with the three, like a trident with three things. It's got, yeah. the middle has a, yeah, yeah. the trigger button, and then like the joystick, and then there's the D-pad over there. So like, it's, terrible controller for like fighting games but for the it's that controller does work great for like your zeldas and your mario games it works great for the nintendo games for sure yeah but you don't want to play mortal kombat on 64 definitely not yeah i just i couldn't get into it so i i gave up my games from there on because it was like i don't like this controller Virtual Boy was, or yeah, it's fucking stupid with your red lasers that burned everybody's retinas and. But yeah, Mario sixty four probably it's probably just the best sixty four game I'd imagine. I mean, I can't think of anyone. I like that and I mean that and I think we've pretty much named the the ones that like yeah, everyone that and Zelda game and yeah knows the ones the that people ones. the ones that people still are willing to go back and play. Yeah, didn't they come out with a new Donkey Kong for sixty four? I think. I think so. Yeah, I think it was one of the... Donkey I think, Kong Country. Yeah, I think it was like the well, one of the last games to come out on 64. And, but I don't think it was super successful. Hmm. But, you know, Donkey Kong Country and 1, 2, 3. Give me a break. These games have incredible <laughs> soundtracks. But those are Super Nintendo. Well, let's talk some ECW. We get a title card flying in with name, location, and data show. Very Laser Quest looking uh, logo. The logo is not very ECW looking. We then get Joel Gertner in the ring trying to hype up the crowd. And he's stuttering through Michael Buffer's famous lines to make sure that they don't get sued. <laughs> when Sandman comes running out and he canes Gertner. ECW. ECW. Crowd's going crazy. Sandman then cracks a beer before caning Joel some more. Before telling Missy to bring out Bob Artis. Now, Artis was the ring announcer going back to the Tri-States wrestling days all the way up to about November to remember 95. That's kind of when Gertner took over the full-time job. And Sandman gives Bob a choice. Do the job we all know you can do or end up like Gertner. 
before telling Hyatt to welcome him back properly with a kiss. We then go to our first match. Mikey Whipwreck versus the franchise, Shane Douglas. I mean, what a way to start a show. Mm -hmm. And Shane argues with the crowd before reaching out for a handshake. And Whipwreck tentatively shakes his hand before Douglas turns to flip off the crowd. Basically, like being like, "See, I can do this. You, you oh, don't, yeah. you don't fuck, know me. Fuck you guys. I can, I can do a clean handshake." Mikey hits an arm drag takedown to start, but the franchise fires back with a back elbow and stomps. Shane's whip is reversed, allowing Whipwreck to hit a back body drop and several drop kicks. Kick his ass, Mike. Sending Douglas out to the floor. Back in the ring, the franchise nails a corkscrew vertical suplex before going low on Mikey's balls. Shane then locks on the Texas Cloverleaf, only for Whipwreck to crawl his way to the ropes to break free. Douglas hits a chop block to keep up the legwork when Mikey yanks the franchise through the ropes to the floor. Whipwreck then dumps Shane into the crowd before leaping off the top rope with a somersault plancha out onto Douglas. Nasty fall. Mikey then tosses the franchise into a guardrail, chokes him with his boot before nailing a slingshot elbow drop over the steel. Shane's rolled in, followed by Whipwreck delivering a slingshot rolling neck snap for hey, a two count. That's right. fun. <laughs> Mikey then sends Douglas to the ropes and attempts a drop kick, only for the franchise to hold onto the ropes, causing him to miss. Shane then locks on a figure four, only for Whipwreck Woo! to escape with an eye rake. Douglas then sends Mikey to the ropes and attempts a drop kick, but Mikey holds on, causing Shane to miss allowing Whipwreck to headbutt his Allegheny River and lock on the figure four. Oh, your own medicine, brother. The franchise smacks the ref to give him time to escape as he cries out in pain, only for Mikey to make it even better by hitting chops to the chest of Shane. But the ropes are finally made, forcing a break. But Douglas is having a hard time standing, so Whipwreck heads up top for a missile dropkick for a near fall, followed by a DDT for a two-count. The two then fight over a whip when Mikey's sent to the ropes, but he comes right back for the franchise to hit a belly-to-belly -belly suplex for the pin and, and the, the win. win. Good opener. Yeah, a mostly wrestling match. A little bit of crowd stuff, nothing wild. Uh, great to great to see ECW open with a wrestling match. Yes, that was a, a nice change-up from the... I mean, yeah, they had Sandman mm -hmm. come out and... Beat the shit out of the announcer or whatever, but yeah, and it's also actually start with yeah. a real match instead of here's just some jobbers for Sandman or whoever to come down and beat the shit out of for a second. Yeah, the, your best heel and everyone's favorite babyface. Yep, I mean, come on. Joey Styles is in the ring and he introduces Baron Von Stevie and Blue Dust. Then Stevie Richards talking like Baron Von Rasky, continuously holding up the claw. While the meanie is dressed like gold dust, but in all blue. They're both great, great gimmicks. Very yeah, I was, I was trying to figure out for the longest time who Stevie was trying to be, because I was assuming it would be somebody that was aligned with gold dust, and it wasn't coming to, to my mind whatsoever, because he was holding up his hand and putting on the little bald cap or whatever the hell it was on his head, and yeah. 
Definitely. Uh, now it makes more sense because def- I didn't hear him announced as Baron Von Stevie. Definitely a deeper, uh, deeper reference than uh, Goldust, who is currently <laughs> a you know top of the mid card yeah. star on the you know most watched program. And Joey has some great lines here. He says, "If he wanted to work in a circus, he would have stayed home in Stanford." Ooh. And Meanie looks more like Dusty Rhodes than his own son. <laughs> yeah, that would have got me. And Stevie talks about the quest that Raven had sent him on to find the trashiest slut bag in the world. The slimiest woman. And tonight, he will be bringing out that girl. Blue Dust then creeps Styles out by being on his knees in front of him, while Baron Von Stevie tries to lock Joey into the claw, only for Styles to no-sell. Smack his hand away and just leave the ring in disgust. <laughs> yeah, he gets a pop for it too. Richards then rides Beanie like a horse down the aisle to the back. I love that he falls falls off and gets back on. I mean, these guys are great together. <laughs> we then go to our second match. The FBI of J.T. Smith and Little Guido versus the Dudleys of Bubba Ray and Big Dick Dudley. I hate that we don't get Fly Me to the Moon now that we've heard fly me to the moon (laughs) (laughs) and sign guy chubby and dances with dudley are also out there and jt takes the mic after they pose for the crowd saying he has a surprise for guido that he has another goomba in the back introducing sal balamo who comes out in his gladiator gear i mean had to happen sometime yes it's it's been a, a nice little break without Sal. So. <laughs> Blamo is always it always creeping around to kind of see him, kind of. And the last time we saw Blamo was at the night the line was crossed, episode one eleven. So, big old break for a big old boy. That's right. And Sal calls Smith the most Italian man he's ever seen before insulting the fans. And Bubba then takes the mic and wonders where Devon is. Curious as well. I mean, he's my favorite part of this team at this point. Before taunting the Italians, and then says his name without stuttering. Oh my god! Before slapping Smith. (laughs) Dude. Bubba Raven says that Devon is a piece of shit, but he did get one thing right. Thou shalt not fuck with the Dudleys. Before attacking the FBI from behind, and the match is on. Bubba slams and splashes Guido multiple times while Big Dick clubs away on JT. Bubba Ray with a crossbody in the corner on little Guido while Dick chokes Smith with a boot. Bubba Ray then hits a slingshot gourd buster on Guido, followed by yanking him out of the corner and stomping on his sausage. (gasps) Big Dick nails a lariat on JT that turns him inside out, while Bubba grabs a chair to use on both Italians, but little Guido bells out to the floor. Bubba Ray goes out to the apron to leap off onto the Italians, but he basically goes over the top of them into the guardrail, allowing the FBI to take advantage momentarily as Bubba reverses a whip to send Guido into a guardrail. Bubba Ray then dumps little Guido into the front row, using a chair before throwing him back into the ring, and grabs Hat Guy's hat (laughs) to wear for the rest of the match. As the crowd chants, Where's your hat? Back in the ring, the Italians fire up by knocking Bubba back down to the floor and hitting a double clothesline to Dick. 
but he no-sells and delivers a double choke slam, followed by press slamming Guido over the ropes through the timekeeper's table. Oh my god. Sal then takes a chair to some of the Dudleys on the outside, which brings Big Dick out to confront him, where Balamo nails a couple more chair shots right to his head, but Dick no-sells those. Sal then gets picked up by Big Dick and carried to the back, allowing the FBI to work over Bubba Ray, including JT hitting a top rope somersault leg drop for a two count. You love to see it. That's an impressive carry, by the way. I mean, I know Big Dick's a big dude, but Sal Balamo's a big guy just to pick up and carry. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, Devon's jumping the railing with chair in hand, taking out the Italians to cause a disqualification. Post-match, Devon takes the mic and taunts the crowd. Shut up! Before scolding Bubba for not waiting, saying he always has to bail him out. Devon then takes out all of the Dudleys with chair shots, before heading back out the arena, jumping into a van to drive off right as Big Dick makes it to the street. One of these days, those two are going to run into each other. <laughs> They're never in the same place at the same time. It's like evil twin and evil twin. It's almost like a wrestling angle. <laughs> the, uh, it's fun. I mean, Devon's awesome. Tough love. Yes. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. <clears throat> Big dick ain't here. So we go to our third match. Paul Verlins versus Taz with Bill Alfonso and Team Taz in a shoot fight. And some other wrestlers, such as Shane Douglas, The Eliminators, and RVD, have all come out to the ringside as well. And we'll talk more about them after the match. <laughs> I love the big flag and the like. The Team Taz guys roll the flag up. It's some nice uh, pomp and circumstance for uh, the Tasmaniac. Fonzie takes the mic to taunt Verlins, letting everyone know that Taz... Is undefeated. I love that he's the Alaskan polar bear. What, an, what a nickname. <laughs> and Joey says he's no Don Wilson, Jeff Blatnick, or Bruce Beck, who were the UFC commentary team at the time. Because I'm sure, I'm sure that you guys absolutely did. I mean, that was team. my assumption. There's some context clues, but yeah, I wouldn't have been able to tell you what those guys did uh, if you just how you doing? Me their Jeff names. Blatnick, UFC. Yeah, yeah. So the two men are cautious to begin. Paul's big as hell, by the way. I mean, Taz is not a very tall man, but uh, Paul Paul's a big boy. When the human suplex machine shoots in low for a single leg takedown, transitioning into a fuwarg armbar, only for Paul to roll out. Taz goes in again, but Verilins is able to overpower the human suplex machine and get him on his back, forcing the human suplex machine to escape. A pair of knees from Paul, but Taz grabs the third to take Paul down momentarily. Verlins is taken down again with the human suplex machine jumping on top for some ground and pound. But Paul blocks and transitions into an arm breaker, forcing Taz to make the ropes. Verlins then nails some more strikes when Saturn all of a sudden leaps off the top rope with a missile dropkick to the back of Paul's head. The human suplex machine then deadlifts Verlins up for a T-bone suplex and locks on the Taz mission for the stoppage <laughs> and, and the, the win. win. With a little help from a friend. 
Post-match, Team Taz is celebrating in the ring while Paul is rolled out. With Joey saying, Taz has sent a message to every Ultimate Fighter, every martial artist, every amateur or professional wrestler today. Taz will stop at nothing. And the crowd, as you were saying, doesn't like what they were seeing. But the human suplex machine just uses it as he grabs the mic to tell the fans... You know what? You know what? You're right. That was bullshit. And you know what else? I fucked you again. (laughs) It's so good. Taz fucked you again. You thought... You thought you were going to see a shoot? That wasn't shit. I fucked you again. You ain't shit. You ain't shit. As the human suplex machine continues with, Tell me when you're done. Remember, you people pay to see me. I don't pay to see you. So when I'm talking, you shut your fucking mouth. Sabu, Sabu. I think that you ain't shit might be one of my favorite chants. It's really fun. <laughs> so some interesting notes about this match. Heyman was worried Verilins was actually going to shoot. On Taz. Well, those okay. weren't shoot knees, brother, because his old knee lifts didn't look Which so is hot. why the other wrestlers were out at ringside as an insurance policy. Oh. So basically, if he started doing something, they could jump in. The Saturn dropkick was the finish of the match. But the stiffness of it was not. Perry had been instructed to knock him out just in case. <laughs> which he did anyways. So the suplex was actually Taz lifting him dead weight. Okay, I was wondering. I mean, he really, really kicked the shit out of him. That was a, that's, what, that's what a real suplex looks like when they're not working together. Heyman also had another way to try and appease Verilins. Oh, God. He would have Missy Hyatt promise him a blowjob if he went through with everything as planned. Jesus. But when he got to the But when he got to the back to collect... She informed him that she didn't fuck jobbers. Ouch. <laughs> God damn. This, I mean, I don't really approve of the, the blowjob chain, but that's pretty fucking wild yeah. shit, dude. That's, some, that's scummy as hell. Missy's that's, got her standards, eh? <laughs> that might, that's the most ECW shit I've ever heard. Wow. Fucking, yeah. Wow. Telling the guy, it's like, hey, you'll get a blowjob if you don't shoot on this guy. Like, what the hell? It's not like, what does he give a shit? $50? I mean, UFC's not the way it is now, but yeah. he was getting more than 50 bucks for an ECW. I mean, they probably got more than 50 bucks tonight, but it wasn't, probably wasn't, uh, probably wasn't a whole fucking month's worth of rent. We then get Raven, Stevie Richard, and Supernova making their way to the ring. And Stevie takes the mic and says he has found Raven's dream skag, bringing out Lori Fullington. Sandman's ex-wife. Man, think about that board game, Dream Skag. <laughs> what was the game, Dream Phone? Is that what it's called? Is there a Dream Phone? I know there's a Dream Crush. Dream, yeah, game. there was a game my cousin had. And she's probably she's probably more like Shane's age. Yeah, uh, it was like a blind date type yeah. thing. Yeah, he's like he had cards that were like cute boys, and you like called them on the phone to try to find out which one had a crush on you. Yeah. And we haven't seen... Dream Skag. Never played that game. I played it with my cousin as a kid because she had the game. <laughs> and it was a cool gimmick. 
So it happens in California, huh? <laughs> I mean, it's 90210 <laughs> era for sure. And we haven't seen Fullington since November to remember 94, episode 133, as Peaches. Peaches. And she comes out and gets down on her knees in front of Raven, followed by the Sandman coming out as well to say he doesn't care. And that he's not affected by the mind games, saying he already pimped her out to the entire locker room before leaving to the back. And we cut to Joey in the booth where he tells us Raven has a mystery opponent tonight. When um, all of a sudden, Freebird hits. Bad Street. Or at least it did in the arena. Yeah. But we get Bad Street USA, which it's not the worst trade-off. I mean, no, I love that, this song. Yeah, absolutely. So we get our fourth match. Raven with Stevie Richards and Supernova versus Terry Bam Bam Gordy for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. What all, the fuck? All 265 pounds of them. I mean, come on, guys. Is this not the surprise of the night? Right. Terry Bam Bam Gordy. As he was walking down the ring, that's why I kept looking at him like, that's not who I think it is, is it? I didn't think I'd ever actually see him wrestle again, so... So the champ came out first. Foreshadowing. <laughs> I mean, it'd be sick if Derry Bam Bam Gordy won the belt, but... And we haven't seen Bam Bam since Great American Bash 92, episode 71. Damn. D- didn't he have injury and that kind of fucked up, scrambled his brain, and then If he... you want to call an injury a... Uh, bad self injury, self-inflicted injury, but he almost uh, died a couple times from yeah, overdoses. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I supposedly he wasn't quite the same. But I think that they put him under like a mask or something in WWF for a second and realized it didn't work. Not yet. Not yet. So we're not to that point yet. I don't. I don't know why I was pulling that out of my wrestling mm-hmm. knowledge, but for some reason I thought maybe that had happened. That's yeah, why I'm very say. curious who he's going to be. Well, it won't be for a long time, but I'm sure we'll see it. Hmm. So Gordy goes to town on Raven, throwing him to the floor and into the crowd, using chairs and fists, and making their way to the concession stand where the cameras can't see them. And Raven's busted open as they make their way to the Eagle's Nest, where Terry continues to use chairs, frying pans, and other plunder. The two men make their way back to the ring, where Bam Bam hits several clotheslines until Stevie runs in to distract Gordy allowing Raven to go low to Terry's pebbles. No. Raven face plants Bam Bam multiple times before getting a strand of barbed wire, wrapping it around Gordy's head, only for Terry to come back with a lariat. Should have really said bedrocks. <laughs> Bam Bam and pebbles. Yeah, but bedrocks is funny because it's got the bad part in it. I mean, they're both, they're both very acceptable. Maybe next time. There we go. <laughs> Bam Bam applies the Oriental Spike, which is jabbing his thumb into the neck. Yeah, it's basically a side headlock, but he's got his thumb out into his neck. Which brings Richards and Nova in to pull Gordy off. All of a sudden, Tommy Dreamer runs out and DDTs both Nest members, which then brings out Brian Lee to drop the Innovator of Violence with a primetime chokeslam. And Terry now takes out Lee with a powerbomb before wrapping the barbed wire around Raven's head, tangling it up in his hair, and smashing his head into the turnbuckles. Ouch. And the ref keeps trying to intervene, so Bam Bam knocks him down with the right hand, allowing Richards to return to nail a Stevie kick, followed by a Raven DDT for the pin. 
and the win. Post match, Tommy immediately drops Raven with a DDT onto a chair. But Prime Time's right there with another choke slam. And the Ness continues working over Dreamer and Gordy when Sandman would come out, caning everybody, sending Raven running. Sandman then stalks after Raven when Lori and her son Tyler come out, dressed like Raven and standing between the two men. Kid's name has to be Tyler. It's 1996. And the look on Sandman's <laughs> face is priceless as Raven starts yelling at him to come through his son to get at him. Raven even has Tyler talk into the mic saying, Daddy, you're a drunk. Now I worship Raven. <laughs> That's a pretty good uh, like Simpsons uh, you know, classmate voice, Matt. And, he, and both Raven and the kid do the crucifix pose as Sandman continues to look on gut-wrenched. Before Raven screams, He worships me! <laughs> he then turns his attention to Tommy to taunt him about not being able to get Beulah pregnant before they start to leave. And McGillis Cuddy then challenges Lori to a cat fight right then. But Raven holds her back, dragging Peaches to the back. Sandman follows down the aisle in agony before the crowd gives Terry Gordy a massive standing ovation and chanting of his name. When Blue Dust would then come out and does his whole stick, but Kimona grabs him with a testicular claw and Beulah drops him with a DDT as the crowd chants, She's hardcore! She's hardcore! Oh, Beulah. That was a fun little segment. Yeah. As far as like... I mean, the match I thought was really good. Mm -hmm. Considering we hadn't seen Gordy in forever. He definitely uh, brings it, lays in the hammers to the back and stuff. Like, it looks good. A little old school slap with the new school slap. Oh, yeah. I love, love to see it. We then get our fifth match. The Eliminators of Perry Saturn and John Cronus versus the Gangstas of New Jack and Mustafa Saeed for the ECW World Tag Team Championships. And the champions came out first. Foreshadowing. And Joey tells us this is the Gangstas' last chance at the titles. But as they make their way out, the Samoan Gangsta Party attacks them. And the last time we saw Samu was at SummerSlam 94, episode 130. And all of the gangsters just brawl their way around ringside and into the crowd, while the Eliminators just look on from the ring. The Bruise Brothers then run out and attack the gangsters as well. Hey, leaving, at least it's not at the end of the show. Leaving New Jack and Mustafa laid out and bloody. And boy, is New Jack I, bloody. I thought it was the end of the show just because of because it was a all big, of that happening. Yeah. <laughs> so the match is officially a no contest as EMTs have to come out to help the gangsters to the back. I mean, New Jack is cut deep. And Saturn takes the mic and tells the Bruise Brothers they didn't do them any favors before calling them a couple of inbred motherfuckers. <laughs> So the Bruise Brothers roll into the ring, and it looks like we're going to get our sixth match of the Eliminators of Perry Saturn and John Cronus versus the Bruise Brothers of Don and Ron Bruce for the ECW World 
Tag team championships. What is it? He he is Saturn. That is Cronus or whatever. <laughs> I can't remember the thing. I like it though. And the two teams begin to just brawl in the ring with Perry ducking a big boot and nailing a super kick. A body slam and a top rope elbow drop. Looks great. Saturn and Ron head to the floor, leaving Cronus tossing Don to a corner, following in with a handspring back elbow. Everybody's on the floor now, brawling away, and Ron throws Perry into a table. Right before John is tossed into a table multiple times to finally break it. And all four men head out into the crowd, where Cronus hits a spinning heel kick and a chair shot on Don. Back in the ring, Saturn misses a moonsault on Ron, allowing him to nail a big boot and team up with his brother for a double big boot on Cronus. All of a sudden, a trash can and the gangsters, with bandages around their heads, are in the ring. Which means all six men are brawling away. Plunder abound! The gangsters are using trash cans and title belts over the heads of everybody when officials would come out to pull the Eliminators and the Bruise Brothers to the back, leaving the gangsters standing tall in the ring. Did you see New Jack uh, working the head of Cronus trying to bust him open? Like knuckle out, trying to get him above the eyebrow, like really laying it in. It's like, oh, he's obviously he was he's uh, new jacking. He's got that adrenaline from (laughs) from 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 all that uh, yeah from all that blood. But I was like, Jesus, man. So this match was a no contest as well. Shot. So we go to our seventh match: Axel Rotten and Hack Myers. Shot. Versus the Samoan Gangsta Party of Sammy the Silk and Mac Daddy Kane. Mac Daddy Kane. Samoan Gangsta Party. After the Samoans are announced, the crowd blows up with chants of, Who gives a fuck? You fat fuck. (laughs) (laughs) And Yokozuna. Yeah, they really don't want anything to do with them. And they they might be being mean, but... How could you begin to care about the Samoan gangster party? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to bring in the Samoans, that's totally fine. But bring, like, a popular one. Or, like, bring back Snooka to introduce them or something so you at least have Have at least one somebody. of them. At least have one of them in shape. These guys also, like, they... This my, is in shape for them. My favorite part of their gimmick is that they are wearing those... Um, like Gadzooks style t-shirts you know where it's like a button up shirt that has like you know a two blue stripes or one white stripe they're kind of dressed like uh, taxi drivers <laughs> that's great so Axel and Mac Daddy start shoving each other and throwing punches before they trade headbutts Kane then body slams Rotten pummeling him with stomps and right hands only for Axel to come back with a clothesline for a two count Hack with some shaw punches on Mac Daddy, but a rake of the eyes allows Sammy to tag in, where they shove and strike each other. The old shove and strike. King comes in and Myers takes care of both with more shaw punches and Shot. a double noggin knocker. But they are Samoan, so it's no sold. Mm-hmm. And the party delivers a double headbutt to Hack. Probably the only fun spot here. Both Samoans climb to the second rope on different corners, leaping off with a double flying headbutt to Myers. When all of a sudden the gangsters come out, followed by the Eliminators and the Bruce Brothers, for them all to brawl. I don't care. 
The entire locker room then empties out to try and calm the situation as the fans are throwing trash into the ring. And I wish that the beer cans were full to teach ECW a fucking lesson. Because these empty beer cans, they're just going to throw it over their shoulder. But they all know that this is, like, not good heat. This is go-away heat and that these cans should be full of beer Mm -hmm. so they don't do shit like this. And I don't want anybody to get hurt, but you gotta, sometimes you got to fight fire with fire. So you need those empty cans so they can recycle them <laughs> and pay their wrestlers. <laughs> God damn. So my favorite part of this entire like pull-apart brawl was actually Don E. Allen trying to hold back one of the Bruise Brothers. <laughs> yeah, Donnie. You're like, real, Donnie yeah. Allen is smaller than us. Yeah. And the Bruise Brothers are uh, bigger, bigger than us. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, by the way, that means that we get our another no contest. Yay. Hey, all I'm saying is it's, it's like, you know, not the last 45 minutes of the show. You're going to you got to do this crap. You got to sandwich it is all I'm saying. You can agree to that. Absolutely. Okay. Just, just make it sure. So we go to our eighth batch. Lionheart, Chris Jericho versus Pitbull number two. With Francine for the ECW World Television Championship. And all I have to say is, damn, Francine. I mean, yeah. She's looking good. Mm-hmm. I told you I'm a, a Fran fan. You are. Yeah. It's on mic. Fran Stan? Fran, I don't know about that. I don't know if I stand <laughs> anybody. But. but she does look a little upset about something. Uh, she's yes. coming to the ring. She's got a bit of a scowl. A scowl. Great word. Great band. So the two men stare at each other down to start until Pitbull just shows Lionheart out to the floor. Back in the ring, Jericho nails a spinning heel kick, tries for a second, only to be caught and dropped with a powerbomb by number two. Lionheart's body slammed down, followed by Pitbull lifting Jericho into a gorilla press, transitioning into a tombstone pile drive. Oh my god! Jericho tries to trade strikes, but number two overpowers him. Followed by a press face plant down to the mat. I mean, honestly, the gorilla press into the pile driver should be the finish of any match. But yeah. I know Chris Jericho isn't the guy to take the pin here, but he's the only guy that could probably have done the move. Spoilers. Well, I mean, like, just the, he's not going to take the loss that that quickly. Gotcha. He, he's on the come up. Okay, is kind of what I'm saying. And who the fuck is Pitbull too? We love Pitbull too because we have forced ourselves to watch enough ECW. That we recognize his raw talent. Make it sound like I torture you guys or something. <laughs> it feels that way sometimes, but you know we're we're uh, you know we're in it together. That's right. In the in the trench. Pitbull then tosses Lionheart around the ring, lifting him up on his shoulders, only for Jericho to counter into a victory roll for a two count, followed by nailing a pair of clotheslines. Lionheart's running the ropes, so Pitbull goes for another press slam, but Jericho counters into a head scissors takedown. Sending number two to the apron, where Lionheart lands a springboard dropkick that sends him out onto the guardrail. This is good shit. This feels very Japan. Yes. A very wrestling match feel in an ECW wrestling match. Yeah, lots of big moves and like kickouts, but it's all strung together well and competitively. Pitbull then climbs back into the ring where Jericho delivers a standing spin kick to knock number two back out to the floor. Following out with a springboard moonsault out onto the Pitbull where if he doesn't catch Lionheart, he may be dead. 
Yeah, both of the spin kick and the and the fucking you know out to the floor were pretty pretty gnarly. Yeah, because like he he protects Chris Jericho's head very obviously, which is good on you, Pitbull. I'm all for front row seats, but or ringside seats, but yeah, that's literally reach out and touch the ring close. Give them guys some room. Yeah. Jericho rolls back in, but number two drags him back out to the concrete to run him into a guardrail and use a chair over the Lionheart's head. Back in the ring, Pitbull starts to wear down Jericho with a camel clutch before whipping him to a corner, where Lionheart goes to leap up and over the charging number two. And Fran's still just in the corner with that scowl. She seems to be in a weird mood. But he's caught and shoved out to the apron. Jericho then hits a couple strikes to back up the pit bull before climbing to the top for a missile drop kick for a near fall. Right to the head of the pit bull. The two trade strikes when Lionheart hits an insiguri for a two count. He goes for a thes press, only for number two to catch him and hot shot him across the top rope. Pit bull then rams Jericho into the top turnbuckle from a backbreaker position before delivering a super fallaway slam. All of a sudden, Shane Douglas comes out to steal the belt from Francine, even going as far as kissing her. And number two rolls out to help, but the franchise throws Franny in front of him, causing the pit bull to accidentally drop her with a lariat. Ugh, tough, tough look, Fran taking bumps. Yeah. She did, I will say, Shane Douglas did s- steal a kiss, but she, she did. did slap him. She did. She got, her sl- she got a little bit of revenge. Shane is dropped on the guardrail by number two followed by Lionheart trying for a slingshot splash out onto the Pitbull, but he moves, so Jericho lands on Douglas. Now Pitbull 1 makes his way to the ring, arm still in a sling, and he picks up Francine onto his good shoulder to carry her to the back. While our competitors have made it back into the ring, with Lionheart leaping off the top rope for Arana, only to be caught and dropped with a powerbomb for the pin. And no, no, Jericho kicks out. Lionheart with a Samoan drop. And he goes for a lion salt, but he's caught and looks to be dropped with another tombstone. Only to reverse, but number two reverses back and suplexes Jericho into the ropes and down to the floor. The franchise has finally made it back to his feet and he tries to leave with the belt once again. But the refs stop him and retrieve the championship. In the ring, Lionheart leaps off the top rope, where the Pitbull catches and drops him with a power slam, followed by going to the top rope himself, only to be met by Jericho, where he tries for a superplex. But number two lifts him up into a superbomb, which Lionheart counters to nail a super huracarana for the pin and, and the, the win. win. And new! I mean, that midair head scissors... Pretty fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Post-match, Shane is throwing a tantrum while Pitbull hands the belt to Jericho and shakes his hand. And Douglas keeps trying to get in the ring, but number two fins him off with a chair and the refs lead the franchise to the locker room. And there's a standing ovation for both men. They love the Pitbull. You know, these guys are smart fans. They know who Chris Jericho is. They know what Chris Jericho can do. But it kind of hurts a little bit that Pitbull couldn't carry the belt a little longer. Yeah. So I wonder, is this handshake the inspiration for the Code of Honor? <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, there's been a, there's, it's been done a million times in wrestling, so, you know. Just a matter of respect. It's just a matter of respect. 
We then go to our ninth match. Primetime Brian Lee versus Tommy Dreamer with Beulah McGillicuddy and Kimono Wanalea in a weapons match. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So the ladies are pushing shopping carts full of weapons out to the ring, which draws the attention of Primetime, only for Tommy to come out through the crowd behind him to attack. And the two men start brawling away in and around the ring, using guitars, signs, trash cans, whiteboards, when Lee goes after the forehead with a bottle before slamming Dreamer's head on the timekeeper's table. Tommy responds with a box crate and tosses prime time over into the crowd. Music's still playing. Before saying, we're headed outside. And there's all the standbys, like 30 to 40 people are like just hanging out at the entrance of the, the arena. I'm sure some people follow him out too. And... The action just ends up making its way across the street to some other building with the camera trying to keep up, but the fans are just swarming the two competitors. Very similar to last week where the crowd is in into this kind of brawl, similar to the Sullivan and Benoit. Like, you know, we don't give a damn with the cameras here. We got to see this. Yep. Dreamer's thrown into a box truck and then into a steel garage door and he slides down the door leaving a smear of blood. Lee just slamming his head into the door multiple times, only for Tommy to get a chair to use to bust open primetime, followed by slamming him into the garage door several times as well. And they make their way back to the bingo hall parking lot, as Joey calls it the massacre on Swanson Street, and the chants of ECW ring out. They continue to pummel each other, bashing each other into various vehicles before making their way back into the arena. And when they get to ringside, more weapons are used, such as chairs, cookie sheets, steel mailboxes, and violins. And Dreamer checks to see if Primetime syndicated before grabbing another guitar. But Lee ducks and chokeslams Tommy down to the mat. It's funny that, like, there's... Wrestlers that probably got paid less to be on this show than the violin cost. (laughs) (laughs) Truth. Primetime then grabs a cinder block and a baseball bat, placing it on Dreamer's manhood, only for Beulah to come in to try and save her man. But Lee looks to chokeslam her as well. So Kimona rolls in, and with her back to the hard cam, opens her shirt to give Primetime the view of his life. Lee is mesmerized and drops Beulah, allowing her to grab a frying pan to smack over Lee's head, followed by Tommy nailing him with a stop sign and a DDT onto said sign for the pin and the win. Post-match, the Bruce Brothers come out to attack Dreamer, and we clip ahead to see three tables stacked atop each other by the front doors. Yeah, not the nest, but like the balcony by the door. With primetime choke slamming Tommy off of the balcony through all three tables. It's gnarly. Like, you never, like, it looks like somebody dropped a, a boulder off of a cliff. Like, he just pop barrels through that shit. And it's funny, um, one of the brothers puts a, another table just to they catch were, they him. Were like, gonna, I think they were going to set a fourth table up, but he couldn't lift it up high. Oh, enough. yeah. I thought he was doing it as an insurance if he missed at least the table. The other table would break the fall a little bit so that <laughs> back of his head doesn't just hit straight concrete. Because, I mean, you could 
miss and just hit the edge of one of those tables and flip down yeah. to the floor, which would be uh, disgusting and horrific. As if this wasn't. So at this point, on the network, it cuts to the next match. But in real life, one of the ropes in the ring had broke during the beatdown of Dreamer. And ECW needed to buy some time, as someone had to drive all the way across town to get a replacement part. So, what did they decide to do? Let's send Kimono Wanalei out there to do a strip tease, guys. I mean, she is a professional. She she was actually a dancer at one point. Oh, she's not currently. I, just I mean, she might she, still be. Yeah, I just assumed not like today, but I just feel felt like it was in tandem. Like this was just a thing she did on the side, ECW, which it might be. She basically just comes out in like a black sea black see through outfit that. Really leaves nothing to the imagination. <laughs> she has a towel uh, that she keeps putting over herself and like taking off the lingerie while keeping the towel on to kind of you know tease everybody. Basically, at one point she like goes back to towards the wall and there's people putting dollar bills through a hole in the wall, <laughs> to, which was which was pretty funny. At one point, she does drop the towel completely, but leaves her arms like in front of her nipples. She, I think she had little pasties, little pasties on her nipples. She finally takes the lingerie completely off, but the towel is still on as she waves to the crowd and leaves to the back. I know I tried to bring it up over here just for fun, but because I didn't watch it, Matt said to watch it. I don't feel silly. I didn't watch the strip tease, but it's like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't watch it either. Who cares I that much? forgot all about it. You can find, like, there's like a seven, eight minute version of oh, her yeah. dancing. I don't think it's the full the full thing. Uh, I'm sure she probably made more money stripping than she did at oh, ECW. Because it looks like she's pretty good uh, at what she's no doing. public nudity. But that was to waste enough time and they got the ring fixed. So we go to our tenth match. Rob Van Dam versus Sabu. Hell yeah. And Joey actually mentions the ring ropes breaking while the homicidal one comes out with a neck brace on from those the last encounter these two had. Yep, where they uh, bolted a stretcher job. Sabu kept getting off of the stretcher. But, you know, it's because he's Sabu. By the way, they en- it ended up being like almost an hour and a half between... The end of the Dreamer match to when Rob Van Dam Sabu started. I mean, she didn't dance. It, for it was. It was no. It was literally. There was like, like, oh, it's taking so it long. It was after midnight. We got to get somebody. When the match here. started, so like they almost were like gonna call the match off completely. Damn. I'm glad they didn't because this gets interesting. So Sabu targets the legs with a drop kick and stomps before hitting a springboard leg lariat for a two count. The homicidal one goes to a chin lock, but he's shoved into the ropes. And you can hear them snap. Pop. I mean, I don't know how to do the pop sound, but it's a very, very loud pop. And you immediately know what happened. The two competitors just look at each other for a moment while the entire crowd lets out a moan of disappointment. And RVD is visibly pissed. Sabu, not right. as much. You're used to this shit. Yeah, Sabu. <laughs> who could fucking work with fucking, you know, the wall, a pool noodle. But RVD is uh, visibly upset. I mean, I'm not blaming him. Sabu goes to grab a chair and throws it at Van Dam, 
and sets it up for a triple jump moonsault, which brings a cheer of relief. They both roll out to the floor where RVD tries to suplex the homicidal one onto a table, but he reverses to crotch Van Dam on the guardrail, followed by Sabu going back into the ring so that he can fly through the ropes with a tope suicida, knocking them both into the crowd. Can you imagine the crowd just being like, they're, at least they're going to fucking do it. If anybody can do it without the ring, it's these guys. And I also love the chant, fuck the ring. They brawl through the crowd, tossing chairs at each other. RVD then nails a chair-assisted leg drop on the bleachers before grabbing an umbrella to use. Back in the ring, Van Dam climbs to the top and he leaps off with another chair-assisted somersault plancha for a near fall. Did you see that after he does the um, guillotine leg drop in the bleachers, like the camera goes to Sabu and you can see Sabu like trying to get the blade out of his wrist. So the camera just like quickly moves back over <laughs> or whatever and he's taking a while. But it's, it was pretty funny. I was like, oh, they're like, oh, shit, yeah, I'm not supposed to record that. But they could have cut it somehow, you would think. They have more than one camera, right? The homicidal one recovers with another drop kick to the knee and connects with an air Sabu in the corner. And both men are hurting as Sabu seems to have broken his hand somehow. And that's when I realized he wasn't looking for a blade. His hand was broken. <laughs> so he tries taping it up to continue, allowing RVD to throw a chair at the homicidal one. Van Dam then sends Sabu to the corner, grabs a chair, and does a roll with it. But it doesn't land right, as the chair opens up with the legs sticking up. <clears throat> RVD then monkey flips the homicidal one right on top of it yeah. for a two count. Yeah, it's crazy because it's like, you couldn't get that to happen if you wanted it to. Yeah. It's just like, he does the roll, it's supposed to leave it behind, but it like pops open. It's like, ooh, yeesh. RVD then grabs an arm bar to wear down Sabu before using a chair over the head and a standing moonsault for a near fall. The homicidal one continues with another drop kick to the bum knee and he follows with a slingshot bulldog for a two count. He goes for a back suplex, only for Van Dam to flip over and go for an O'Connor roll, but they end up tumbling out of the ring to the floor. And there's that there's a spot in the match where I think it's right after Monkey flips Sabu or whatever. But I get you can hear a female yell fan yell at RVD and you can't quite hear what she says. But he's just he just he yells at her to get the fuck out of here. He's like I don't know I want to know what she said. But as RVD gets back to the apron, Sabu lays it in with strikes, allowing him to set up Van Dam teetering on the middle rope with his upper body hanging in the ring, where he delivers a slingshot Arabian press guillotine. For a near fall. At this point in the match, both these guys are obviously super winded. Like, they're not, you know, the the ropes probably help quite a bit. They're uh, having to dig deep. The homicidal one then heads outside to grab a chair. But when he returns, he eats a Van Daminator, sending Sabu out to the floor, followed by RVD flying out with a tope conheo. Van Dam then keeps up the attack, tossing the homicidal one into the steel railing. But Sabu avoids a charging RVD, sets up a chair, and he springs off of it onto a table to hit Van Dam on the guardrail with the air Sabu. The homicidal one then bridges the ring and the railing with a table, slamming and setting RVD onto it before climbing back into the ring. He sets up a chair, but he then notices that Van Dam has slid off into the crowd. So Sabu changes the target and hits a triple jump splash out to the front row. Jesus Christ. 
The homicidal one gets RVD on the table again before rolling back into the ring to then nail a triple jump DDT through the table. It's crazy. The, the third jump, like, I had to rewind it a few times because he does the jump, and I thought he his, like, feet hit the table, and then he DDTs RVD. No. He just grabs his head midair and, like, falls back, which is, is obviously very dangerous. A little bit. Back of the ring, Sabu sets Van Dam up to finish him with another triple jump moonsault. But the broken ring comes into play as the homicidal one crotches himself on the broken rope. What a smart man. RVD is back to his feet and he leaps off a chair with a sidekick, knocking Sabu out to the floor, where Van Dam continues the punishment with chair shots and tossing him into guardrails. RVD then props up a chair across the railing and suplexes the homicidal one onto it before they head back into the ring for a near fall. Van Dam then tries for a super fisherman's buster, the same move he won with at Matter of Respect. Don't call, I mean, call it a callback. It's a callback. But Sabu is able to shove him off to the canvas and fly off with a DDT. The homicidal one then returns to the top rope, only for RVD to meet him there to hit that super fisherman's buster for a two count. Van Dam goes for another fisherman's buster, but it's blocked and reversed into one of his own by Sabu. The homicidal one then heads up top to nail an atomic Arabian face buster. For the pin. Shit. And, and the win. win. Sabu gets his win back. Post-match, Paul Heyman makes his way out to check on Sabu. And it looks like they're worried because everybody should be. These guys were winded five to ten minutes ago. As RVD gets carted out on a stretcher, followed by EMTs tending to the homicidal one as well. Sabu resists at first, but he eventually gets stretchered out as well. As Joey says his goodbyes, and we fade to black. Double stretcher job. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Hardcore Heaven 96? I almost wish ECW didn't have a tag division. (laughs) Because that's the only part of the show that I couldn't bring myself to care about. Yeah. The tag division... (sighs) I mean, we like the Pitbulls when they have worked real matches. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hardcore heaven. I I never know what to expect with those. Is I mean, I should say shouldn't even specify hardcore heaven. ECW. ECW. Yeah. You don't know what to expect because you think you know what they're gonna do, and then either they change it up or forces of nature happen. And uh had some some fun moments in the show. Had some scary moments in the show. Had some what the fuck moments in the show. You know, a throwback with a. A returnable Sal Balamo, so... Uh, equal parts good, equal parts bad, equal parts... Eh. I think with the exception of, like, the tag stuff dragging on, like, even if they if they just cut out the Samoan gangsta party, probably when it'll be easier to pout, but it's at least all held into the one segment of the show, but the bookends of that are pretty fucking great. There's, I mean, a bu- there's some really actually good wrestling matches here. There's some actually good brawls here. You know, Chris Jericho, Pitbull, great. Mikey Whipwreck, Shane Douglas, great. It's good shit. Sabu, RVD, doing the, doing, I don't think anybody else could have worked 
a match that engaging with broken fucking ring ropes. Yeah. Tommy, broken Tommy, ropes, broken hand. Yeah, Tommy Dreamer is not the innovator of violence because Sabu is the innovator of fucking violence and RVD. Like these guys are using chairs in interesting ways. These are not kendo sticks or cheese graters or whatever. It's like that's that's innovation. Hitting somebody with a Nintendo is an innovation. It's hitting somebody with a Nintendo. So the pieces for ECW are all there, mm-hmm. but this shows the reason. Why they're always going to be the third promotion? Mm-hmm. It has there's, so there's no way in hell they ever could have been not the third promotion. <laughs> I mean, they could. I, I think they. Good. I think they got really close at one point when their talent level was high. I mean, they just didn't have the money. I mean, if they if they literally had any money at all, they could have. But I don't. Think they could have given either one of the other two. But most run. of the stuff isn't going to be on a cable channel. I mean, they have to have better TV. They have to get on pay per view. They have yeah, to make more yeah. money. I mean, everybody was gone by the time they got there. But just not not concerning myself with the business side of it. But yeah, like they're succinct. It's just like yeah. everything's going. This show has so many great moments, but the disappointing stuff, and obviously not all of it was under their control. Mm-hmm. It does drag the show down. As you said, the tag team stuff. It, it's just like this complete, like... It's so not engaging. Mm-hmm. What is this? Like, it makes no sense to just continuously they do, do a blade job. the same come back. thing over and pain. over again. It's like, basically the same. It's like four match, four half-ass matches in yeah. a row. Even if the Eliminators and Gangstas had been the, the exact match that we're expecting, at least we could have had it, so we would have been done with it. But now we have... All these other, the Samoans, we have the Bruce Brothers. It, it's obviously leading towards like some kind of four-way tag team match, which is going to be what we just saw. So horrible yeah. that we might actually, but we might actually get a finish. But you know, but there's still three, two teams that didn't take it to a pin. Yeah, so, who, who knows what's going? Yeah, happen. it feels like the snake eating itself. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like okay. I can almost, I couldn't, I, I shouldn't say I can almost guarantee, but. Seeing what RVD and Sabu did with broken ring ring ropes, yeah, I feel like this match might have been an all time classic. It's a, it's special. If those ropes aren't broke, mm-hmm. yeah, but with the ropes broke, it makes it special, and I think kind of must see. I mean, it is still a must watch match. Oh, yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I would put it on the short list. With the ring ropes, but with yeah, but like you know, it would be it's a different like match. it's it possibly top five match for me <laughs> if those ring ropes aren't broke mm-hmm. because they just were like all over the place, just going insane, and that's with them probably having to change things. And they're way more winded. You can see it with those with without the ropes. Like these guys, it's taken more out of them. Like I know, but that extra little spring. To have oh, yeah. for they, those triple jumps makes a big difference. They lost their bounce back from actually running in the mm-hmm. ring. They lost their, you know, yeah. liftoff point from doing all of their insane shit off of the top of the ropes. When they go out for the brawl and come back, it's just like, oh shit! <laughs> Both guys are blown up. An RVD is real blown up. Yeah, but they keep it going. <laughs> Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right, fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. What are some of the best moments of this show? I mean, standing ovation for Terry. Terry coming out, the crowd being pumped. 
awesome. This crowd was on fire. I mean, on I this show this is the probably the biggest ECW crowd we've seen. Yeah, they added that extra hundred, and uh, like everyone is fucking red hot. Like the product is brought in fans as opposed to having the same fans there all the time. I mean, it just it literally like just noise level wise, it felt like there was not just an extra hundred people. No, oh, yeah, it felt like there was an extra like. Five to thousand extra. Yeah, people. it felt like a stadium show as opposed to. Yeah, everybody's completely engaged. Yeah, they're not just. Yeah, like everyone's in, engaged. They're not just there. We've seen shows with fucking six thousand people that don't have this kind of like fervor for the product. Fervor. Nice word. <laughs> I don't know what word I was. I was like, hmm. I don't know where I pulled that one out of, but. They were fervorous. Let's see here. Oh, I mean, the Mikey Shane match was fun. Oh, yeah, I love that, but I'm a sucker for both those guys. The Stevie and Blue Dust are fun. Yeah, like, yep. I, we, we've talked about Stevie and Blue Dust. It's it's silly, but it's a good bit of levity in I'm, the midst of yeah. everything else that happens. I like their and it's, silly, and it's, and it's not it's not over the top dumb. Yeah, like what we get. In WWE in the last like five years or so, yeah, it's actually good comedy. Yeah, it's not like high comedy, but it's still good. It doesn't like it doesn't have to be uh, smart to be good. Farts are always funny, but I really appreciate Stevie and Blue Meanie because then I watch the Dudley stuff and like that doesn't really tickle tickle me quite the same way it's like yeah like it's fine but stevie and blue meanie like will make me crack a smile no matter what they're doing at least once taz's promo after his match that was wonderful yeah. like perfect because he he literally used what the crowd was giving him right back and, at him. and just turned it on him to keep his heat yeah. in a match that it was obvious that the crowd was like, not, not, this is not cool. Like, don't sell us this bullshit. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he just turned it right back on him and turned up the heat even higher on him. That was, which was, is great. Yeah. That's why he's one of my favorites. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's a smart man. But yeah, like with the exception of the tag stuff that is, like we said, thankfully in the middle of the show and not at the end of the show. But outside of that, like. I think that it's a must-watch show, and that stuff. Get up, make a sandwich, take a piss, and don't hit pause. Like, what are y'all feelings on Peaches coming back and and involving the sun? I mean, that is very oh, like pre-attitude era like stuff. So it's probably influential, but it's trashy, and at least Sandman showed a different side of himself as opposed to just being Sandman. Yeah. It, so it was like, well, I'm more interested in this than I was because my interest level was pretty low with Raven and Sandman at this point. So at least now there's an angle. Stakes. An angle, yeah. There's an angle, there's stakes. Like, it's not just a big fuck you party. Now it's now there's, there's blood involved. Yeah, it's gone from Jenny Jones to Springer. <laughs> great, great, great analogy. Any other best moments? I mean, Jericho getting his 
TV That's title true. win. I mean, Jericho win the belt. Best moment of the show is probably press slam into fucking pile driver. And it should have been one, two, three, but I get it. But like that move, no one should kick out of that. That was great. No one should kick out of a pile driver alone. Yeah, exactly. Pile driver, but, but that was a that was like Steiner level fucking crazy shit. Yeah, it was pretty much close to a Steiner screwdriver one. Yeah. But you know, I'm glad that Pitbull, uh, you know, he still got he got the rub from Jericho because unless Jericho wants to go full heel, like he, they need to shake hands. Like you've always been a Franny guy, mm-hmm. and like I think Franny Francine is is attractive. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but this <laughs> you show, liked her when she was angry. <laughs> I was just like, I mean, she was just looking good, and I was like, Beulah and Kimono came out. I was like, okay, Francine's still the best, and then the strip tease happened. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> She's a so, professional. She's sl- professional. Sl- slowly roll, slowly roll, Fr- yeah. Francine. Kimono still, Kimono still, still the one. For me, how about most disappointing? We know we, we've we said know. the tag team stuff, obviously. I mean, it hurts. I mean, it hurts that Pitbull couldn't have had the belt longer, but there was a great match, and you know, the right guy probably won, obviously. But I just love me some Pitbull, so I mean, the shoot fight's not good, yeah, but the angle's but, good. The whole, st- the whole story, the, the ending, and the whole well, story behind it. Yeah, I wasn't ready for that. I just like was rolling while reading it, and it made the, like the it made so much sense when you uh, brought up the drop kick because when I saw it, I was like, "Ooh, nasty!" Yeah, I was well, like, oh. that and the Tazplex at the end because my thought was, "Oh, damn, he couldn't really pick him up, could he?" But now it makes perfect sense why he wasn't working with him. He is out. <laughs> I bet Paul Varlins uh, was pissed. I'm. I, he was knocked the fuck out. Who cares? I mean, nah, just in general, like what a fucking shitty experience. I mean, I think he was probably more pissed that he didn't get his blowjob. He also got fucking you know kicked by kicked in the face. By a motherfucker, and then while he was out, suplex. That's fucking not cool. But hey, I had a good time. I do not like Brian Lee. No, I do not enjoy Brian Lee in the ring. I don't love him either, but I feel like that was actually a very good match, considering what what those two have been involved in. I thought that match was good. Yeah, Brian Lee has definitely been better than I expected him to be. It's still not, like, something I'm excited about, but it's not fucking Axel Rotten. Uh, At least he looks big and badass. He looks big, he he looks badass, but I see him on my TV and it just goes, like, everything goes blurry. I have to make myself Uh focus on the match because... Your eyelids turn to concrete. Yep. Maybe he'll get to the point where he entertains me Keeps me excited to watch, but usually he's, he's one of those where... he changes factions here real soon and joins a better quality faction. Oh, okay. Is he Italian? No. Okay. <laughs> How would he look in glasses with no lenses? Big Dick, big dick 2. <laughs> How about best performer of the night? Sabu really kept it all going. I mean, Sabu and RVD, yeah. it has to be them because of the the rope rings. Yeah, but I think Sabu was keep, was keeping it moving. It felt like he was the... I think uh, you have to go Sabu just because 
he is known for botching shit. Mm-hmm. And literally, I think the only botch was him actually tripping on the ropes. Because <laughs> it looks kind of silly when he did that. Yeah. Because like, it's like, you could have no. actually just actually tripped on the ropes because they're broken. Yeah. But, I mean, I think they're I think, just pulling, I think just pulling was, out I think, of their ass. I think he was worried that he was going to, like, do it and, like, the entire ring was just going to, like, fall apart probably. <laughs> That's why he did it the way he did it. But Also, the spring, too. It's like I imagine when they crotch themselves or whatever, they put their hand out so, you know, they can kind of catch the rope or whatever. But here, it's not going to do that. So, you crotch yourself, you fucking crotch yourself. At least you have, take the time to make sure that's all calculated. I mean, I know we didn't get to see it, but throw Missy a, a couple of flowers there for having some standards and <laughs> <laughs> and not blowing Paul Varlins. The, the, I mean, if Alaska you really want to see bear. Missy Hyatt give a blowjob, I'm sure we can find that video somewhere. Stop, too. Okay. I don't care. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. No, I'm good. How about most surprising? Bam Bam? Yep. One Bam Bam, Bam, Bam was so good. 110% the most surprising. Because, um, didn't, yeah, who would have thought? I was not expecting to see Roman Reigns' brother wrestling in ECW. Is that uh, That's Silk Mac or Daddy, Mac, Daddy, Daddy Mac Daddy Kane? He's the oldest to be brother. Rosie. Uh, yeah, I, as soon as he was on, or I saw them on TV, I kept looking at him like, that can't be him, is it? Is it, could it? And mm-hmm. then I started trying to do the timeline in my head, and like, all right, well, yeah, I guess it's only like five years or so before he makes his actual debut, so... All right, yeah. From superhero or from Samoan gangster to Samoan superhero in training, party. but with a little three-minute warning, three-second like, warning, three or something minute, like that. Three-minute warning too, wasn't he? Yeah, that was probably the best gimmick he ever had. Yes. Multiple rope breaks. Yeah, I mean, I knew that the rope broke because you told me about the striptease thing. But when it broke, when the match started, like immediately breaks, I was like, oh shit. I wonder if this is where Polly makes that much needed phone call to Vince McMahon of We uh need a new ring. That's yeah. <laughs> not very far away. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. Uh-oh. So this week the category is TikTok. TikTok on the clock, but the party don't stop no. And you're going to get five points for the closest answer. You can hmm. still be over. It's not price strike rules. It's just whoever is closest. So I'm going to give you a show and a match. You're going to tell me how long that match uh, was. Alrighty. The show was ECW Hardcore TV from June 1st, 1993. And the match is everyone's favorite gladiator. Salvatore Bilamo versus Super Destroyer number one with Hunter Q. Robbins the third. How long was that match? Shit. <laughs> Alright, I got a number. Let's see. I don't know. That's the number that popped in my head, so. Alright, Michael, show me your number. Whew. Four minutes and twenty-six seconds. Shane with three minutes and 23 seconds. Our head's in the right space. Michael gets the point. Oh, give us that number. As it was four minutes on the dot. Uh, I almost went 425. Uh, (laughs) 
give an extra second. What did you guess, though? 426. Ah. Uh, I know. We were close. We were close. We were the, our, our head was in the right space because, you know, hardcore TV gets it away. Sal Boamo Destroyer. I mean, exactly. you know, it's good. It's fun. Next week, King of the Ring 1996. Hey, that Uh-oh. sounds fun. Oh. King of the Ring, 96, eh? Might have, to, might have to look into the Bible a little bit. <laughs> Shane's got a big old smile. I got a good idea what I'm getting into. Sounds fun. Could be, yeah. This could be interesting. Could be something from the city. Could be something inspired by the show. There's lots of choices there. Something biblical. Something cold. I don't want matzo. Ice. Don't serve me matzo, bro. <laughs> something, um... I've never had matzo, so I don't know. I can bring something with mozzarella, but... <laughs> music from this week's show is Thunderkiss 65 five, five. Yeah. by Rob Zombie and Sabu won our main event so we play Fight by Little Crazy if you like this episode or any of our other ones please go out there rate review us on iTunes Stitcher, Google Play or wherever you find your podcast at and if you have any questions, comments, concerns got any royal recipes anything that you would serve to a kang Kang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to ask for something for a medium sized mang next time we do a WCW <laughs> show? Mang. The medium sized mang is really good. I should have used that. Callback <laughs> <laughs> um, to last week. Uh, yes, yeah, definitely yeah. a callback. It took me a second there. Hey, this. Uh, it's so funny. It's like you're not medium. You're this this, this <laughs> blue dust bunny that I just finished up here is uh, affecting my memory. Send me some recipes. Send me some drink ideas. Something, something royal for the show. Something. Or from yeah. Wisconsin. That's where the show is. Oh. Hmm. Royal cheese. I know. I was like, uh, cheese curds. Like, I don't know. Until <laughs> Wisconsin. But if you have any of those things, you can email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling h i s t o x. We'll talk to you next week. Later.